Hi, it's Alex here. Future of Film Summit 2020 is taking place 18th to the 20th of November and tickets are available now at futureoffilm.live. The three-day event is designed to inspire, inform and empower and to create the future of film. That's our vision, that's our mission. And I wanted to share just a few of the highlights I am particularly excited about which will be taking place. So we're going to be talking a lot about virtual production both at the high end, how it's working on projects like The Mandalorian, but also how independent storytellers are utilizing these tools and techniques. We have a masterclass from Hasdalal, which is going to showcase how he has revolutionized his filmmaking, really, using virtual production. Well building, I'm delighted to confirm Alex McDowell is returning after his fantastic opening keynote last year. But we're also joined by Dr. Clifford Johnson, who is the theoretical physicist behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe, talking about how he helped build that world. What else? We have some really exciting sessions on interactive filmmaking, brand funding. We'll also be addressing the future of distribution and cinema in a post-pandemic, post-streaming world. I never said we weren't ambitious. And there's so much more. Networking, deep dive, expert-led breakout sessions on areas that you are particularly passionate about. And incredible speakers like Jason Blum, Diana Williams, and so many more. So don't miss out as we collectively discover and create the future of film. Secure your ticket now at futureoffilm.live. That's futureoffilm.live. Coming up in today's Future of Film podcast. I really think there is more opportunity than ever to tell your story, whoever you are, uh, in a way that, that you can engage an audience with. And that to me is, is very, very exciting. Hello and welcome to season four of the Future of Film podcast. My name is Alex Stoltz and this is a show where we share insights and strategies from the pioneers, trailblazers and disruptors who are shaping the future of film. My guest this week is the incredible Kiri Hart. Kiri is an executive writer and producer with nearly three decades experience in film and television. She's probably best known for her role as Senior Vice President of Development at Lucasfilm between 2012 and 2018. Here she formed the now legendary Lucasfilm Story Group and oversaw the creative development of all Star Wars content across film, animated television, publishing, game, gaming, immersive media, and theme parks. While at Lucasfilm, Kiri co-produced the films The Last Jedi and Rogue One, and produced all four seasons of the award-winning animated television series Star Wars Rebels. It's normally at this point I need to really try to rein in my inner fanboy and uh, and be professional, and I will strive to do that. So post Lucasfilm, Kiri has now formed a producing partnership with Stephen Fader, who worked with her at Lucasfilm. Kiri and Stephen are now producers for T Street, which of course is Ryan Johnson's company. 
Kiri is currently producing filmmaker Gareth Edwards' upcoming uh, original film with uh, for New Regency, and she also serves as a creative consultant at Pixar and is an executive producer on the upcoming film Soul. This episode is, as well as a lot about Star Wars, is really about storytelling. And Kiri shares the collaborative process she has developed and pioneered across her extensive career working with filmmakers like Gareth Edwards. Kiri also shares what she believes are the qualities of a successful storyteller and her advice for creators coming through right now. We also talk quite a bit about diversity in storytelling and specifically how to increase this and accelerate it. And we also cover theme parks, virtual production. Did I mention Star Wars? Anyway, Kiri is so articulate, knowledgeable and optimistic. Uh, And my hope is that you are as inspired and informed by this conversation as I was. This episode was recorded as part of Rebels of Storytelling, which you can now watch in full at futureoffilm.live. Rebels of Storytelling would not have been possible without the incredible support of Epic Games and Unreal Engine, who are pioneering the transformation of screen storytelling. We are also proud to partner with Creative England's Creative Enterprise Programme, which has two programmes open for applications right now. Learn to succeed at international film markets with Market Trader, an intensive business development programme for talented producers who are looking to take their projects to market across the world. And Female Founders Scale Up, a dedicated and prestigious programme for ambitious female founders of screen-based companies that will equip female entrepreneurs with the skills and confidence to scale their business and form a cohort of female business leaders across the regions. You can find out more about all of this at creativeengland.co.uk. If you want to discover more about the future of film, head on over to futureoffilm.live. Here you can check out all four seasons of the podcast, as well as access some of our other free resources like Rebels of Storytelling and the Future of Film Report. So that's all available at futureoffilm.live. So that just leads me to say thank you for listening and please enjoy this conversation with Kiri Hart. So Kiri, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be talking to you today uh, about many things uh, and <laughs> particularly around your uh, your process of storytelling but I wanted to start first by asking about T Street which is mm-hmm. uh, where you're uh, currently a producer tell me a little bit about mm-hmm. T Street as a company and your role there sure T Street is a relatively new company, um, started last year by Ryan Johnson, who's a filmmaker that I worked with. Uh, he directed, wrote and directed The Last Jedi and um, obviously is well known now for having made Knives Out. Uh, and, you know, Ryan is somebody that uh, I really enjoyed working with and got to know well, along with his producer, Ron Bergman, 
And so the two of them decided to start a company, a production company that focuses largely on film and uh, episodic series. And so I decided to join them there um, as a producer. And it's been firstly just a, a privilege and a lot of fun to work with them again. Uh, and really we are in the process of kind of setting up the company and thinking about the things that we want to do together, uh, the films that we want to develop, the, the series that we want to develop. And my role specifically is as a producer. And basically what that means is just sort of searching out new projects, um, putting the pieces together uh, in terms of talent and material, and then making those projects move forward all the way through the production cycle, all the way through release. So it's, um, you know, a very uh, sort of diverse set of tasks that really is about just sort of pull, pulling something together from the very beginning and riding the project all the way through until it reaches the audience. Yeah, amazing. And is there a particular type of movie or genre that your T-Street is focusing on? You know, well, obviously the first T-Street movie is Knives Out. And so I'm sure there are certain assumptions that come with that in terms of what we would all be interested in making. Uh, I think what is, is indicative of the kind of thing we want to do is that Knives Out is a genre piece. It's a murder mystery, um, but it is a very elevated genre piece. And it's also, I think, quite timely and topical. And so while we, I think, have a very wide variety of um, appetites for different types of movies and collectively across the company, we have a lot of different genres that we love, science fiction and Westerns and samurai movies and all kinds of things that I think, you know, people um, in the company love. I think what will probably hold these ideas together is this notion of genre pieces and playing with the sort of expectations that people have around genre and subverting those expectations at times and fulfilling those expectations at times uh, is sort of the pleasure of engaging in making a genre piece and trying to freshen it up and make it feel new and cool and interesting. So that's something that I think we're all co collectively really interested in is this notion of taking genre pieces and, and, and creating um, some new sort of spin on them uh, that hopefully makes them feel relevant and connects to the audience where they are right now. And you joined the company having worked at Lucasfilms for a number of years and in particular on Star Wars mm -hmm. most recently. How, how big a transition is that? I mean, what a, uh, is that a very big transition in terms of the types of films, well, obviously the, the types of films, but the, the process, um, or, or, or I guess another question, part of that question is what, what are the similarities between those two roles for you? Sure. Yeah, the similarities are that while I was at Lucasfilm, I was the senior vice president of development and I worked on a wide variety of different types of stories across all the platforms that Star Wars is expressed on. So not just film, but animation and um, games, publishing, uh, immersive things like VR. 
uh, theme parks. So I worked on such a wide variety of things and all of that was storytelling. And I, I had a role in helping to spark and push along those projects, um, you know, by way of the story group, which was the team that I formed and worked with when I was at Lucasfilm. And really uh, what is similar about the role I'm doing now is that I've always been someone who comes alongside a creative person and helps them figure out the story that they want to tell and the process that will get the best from them and that will facilitate uh, the making of, of their project. So that feels very much the same. Uh, I think that, you know, what has changed for me is really that I, I don't have the responsibility of a huge team and a, um, a vast sort of franchise to steward and care for, then that means that I, while I love that work, what I'm doing now is, is much more specifically project-based. And because there are fewer projects, I get to drill deeper into each one of them uh, and, and really um, be a part of them in a more granular way day to day. And that has been a great pleasure. I think I really enjoy and love the process of working with filmmakers and writers and being in their process day to day is meaningful to me. And so, you know, just the freedom to do that uh, has been, has felt like a big transition, but, but mainly one of just like what, where I get to spend my time and having a, a bit more of a narrow focus in, in a positive way. Hmm. Yeah. I'd love to talk a bit more about this, um, you know, this, 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 aspects of your work this, this theme of your work i suppose is is your your how you work with storytellers and how you mm-hmm. help that yeah you, you 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 create that space i suppose or that that mm-hmm. process where um storytellers can realize their vision you, can you tell talk a bit more about that and sure. was was that something which kind of came out of the story group uh, Lucas films? You know, I think the story group was formed around the idea that each person who came into Star Wars as a storyteller had something inside them, something unique that they wanted to express through Star Wars. And that as uh, the, sort of the caretakers of Star Wars, our job was to really come alongside them help them figure out what that story was, help them figure out exactly where it fit in the larger story of Star Wars, and then facilitate a process that would get them the best result. And so I think what I really tried to instill in the team and what I believe myself is that every process needs to be catered to and sort of, um, you know, altered to fit the person who's telling the story. So people work in a lot of different ways and filmmakers and writers work in a lot of different ways. And one of the most important things to do is to really understand who they are and what their process is. And depending on their degree of experience, they may be very articulate and clear and self-aware about what their process is or or not. Then either way, uh, as someone who's helping to facilitate what they're trying to do, the job is to get close to them and understand what they need and how to sort of unlock what's in them and and get it out onto the page or into whatever form is is the right form for the thing that they're trying to do. 
So I think that the listening exercise is very important early on. And that's something that we all got, got very serious about um, doing together in the story group and, and really wanting to make sure that we were hearing uh, where people were coming from and, and sort of what their bigger storytelling goals were. And, and then, you know, looking to sort of customize a process that made sense once we understood them and what they were trying to do. Can you share some examples of how that works in practice? Sure. Yeah, I think that that um, a, a good example would be Gareth Edwards, who is someone that I'm working with now on a new project, but who I worked with uh, on Rogue One when when I was at Lucasfilm. And Gareth is a very visually driven storyteller, and his process often involves a lot of visual development that goes that happens in parallel with narrative development or a traditional screenplay process. And so that is something that I learned about him as we were working on Rogue One. And it's serving me very well now in working with him again to know that the visual development process for him is a way of arriving at certain, um, a certain level of granular kind of awareness of the world of the story that he's trying to create. And that then once that is formed in his mind, the narrative sort of begins to unfold inside of it. And so in a very traditional movie development process, that um, narrative screenwriting development and any kind of visual development or art department work usually happen separately, kind of on separate tracks and, and kind of don't really touch each other. Um, one of the things that, that we had going for us at Lucasfilm when I was there was the fact that all of these aspects of the filmmaking process were living under one roof in San Francisco uh, at Lucasfilm. And so that allowed us to really tap into people across the process of, the, of filmmaking who don't normally work in parallel, but who usually work sort of in sequence, right? So if you have uh, artwork going on, or if you have planning for visual effects going on, a lot of times that, that kind of remains very siloed from whatever's happening in script development. So that was something that for Gareth, I think was really important was that storyboards, concept art, other types of visual exploration be informing the writing process of the script and not waiting for the script. I think in a lot of situations you get a script and then that's how you start to build all these other pieces for him the best way to work is to, is to really make sure that those things are happening together and they are informing each other. And as, as they do, each, each part gets stronger. So that is a, a process that I think is, you know, we've f fine tuned together now and understand even better than we did when we were first working together, how important that is for him. And that's something that comes by trial and error but also just by really observing. I think as a producer and as someone who wants to facilitate creativity, I'm very serious about observing people and seeing what does work for them and then learning from that and trying to alter the process as we move forward to really take advantage of their strengths and to understand what helps them see the story more clearly. And it, again, it, it really does vary from person to person because there are so many different ways that people arrive at becoming storytellers. You know, they, they may have gone to film school and done it in what is considered a very sort of traditional fashion, but they also may have 
come from some other background. And depending on what they started by doing, they have certain areas of comfort and certain areas of um, strength that, you know, I think once you can observe what those are, then you can run ahead and try to tailor uh, the process that they're in to really suit them. I think everyone would like to have a producer like you, Kiri. <laughs> it sounds, uh, it's, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds, it sounds, uh, you know, amazing. And what an amazing, um, yeah, partner um, you must be. Um, if, what you, wh- when you talk about the collabor- collaboration um, early on, it reminds me very much of my conversation recently with Kim Libreri as part of this series talking about mm. the Mandalorian and the mm-hmm. virtual production techniques, which are another way that these this this process is is collapsing or um, converging, I suppose, in terms of mm-hmm. you know these siloed departments coming together to figure yes. things out at an at a pre-production and and during the production, I suppose. Yeah. Do, do you, yeah. have you had any, d- does that sort of resonate with you and have you had experience? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, one of the things I enjoyed very much while I was working at Lucasfilm was working with ILM X lab, which was our immersive studio uh, that, you know, ended up making Vader immortal, which is a VR experience that I was really involved in developing and over the process of working with XLab, I think that we saw over and over again how these virtual production tools and tools driven by real-time graphics and this type of thing were incredibly useful to storytellers because it really, one of the things that's very hard, and I'm sure Kim talked about this, is just the, the normal visual effects process is very abstracted. And there's a lot of times where people don't really have an ability to see what the shot is going to look like or be able to kind of understand, you know, what the finished result is that they're looking for. And the more that you can give them the opportunity to fully envision the thing that they're trying to do, the more comfortable they become and also the more experimental and free creatively they become. So I think the tools that that are being developed right now in virtual production and things that people can use to, you know, we, with Gareth, we used VR to scout virtual locations, you know, to put on the goggles and look around inside of a a virtual set and understand the space and understand how he wanted to shoot. I think those are the kinds of things that really create freedom for filmmakers who want to do things that involve these, you know, fictional places and worlds and, and environments and it really just allows them to start to envision it differently and to feel like they can play. And I think I, I would say that that sense of playfulness is something that I really believe is crucial to great creativity and to great work is that sense that you can try things, that the stakes are low enough that you can experiment and that you can just sort of see what you might be able to, to pull together at any given moment. And I think you arrive at some really special things by having that kind of flexibility and freedom and playfulness. So to me, all the virtual production tools are really in the service of the, the filmmaker um, because they are things that, that allow, you know, kind of 
envisioning things very early and not having to decide on one thing and then stick to it and, and be sort of stuck or painted into a corner, but to genuinely feel like you explored the options, I think is really meaningful to filmmakers and to know that they, when they land on something, they landed on it after having explored. So uh, I'm very excited about all those tools. I've really enjoyed being in environments where we've been able to use them and seeing how quickly filmmakers take to them. That's something else I've been fascinated by is that, you know, a lot of filmmakers, I think, might start out feeling like they're not technical and therefore these might not be tools for them. But then when they get them in their hands, they realize that they are, um, you know, really going to facilitate a freer process. And I think that ends up meaning a lot and, and actually creating a lot of comfort re relatively quickly with those tools. So those are very exciting to me. And I think that, you know, um, I love working with filmmakers who are interested in pushing technology. And I think that the opportunities ahead of us in that, in that direction are just, you know, off the charts and, and certainly will only serve to really give people, you know, more options. And, and, and I think at the beginning of the process, that always feels really good. You, you, you said you've worked with a lot of storytellers and they've, you know, many have come through different paths to, to reach mm -hmm. out. What, what characteristics do you sort of associate with, with a successful storyteller? Curiosity, I think, is, is one of the big ones. Um, I think that most storytellers who I know are naturally curious uh, about people and about the world around them. And they may express that in different ways. If they're not hugely verbal, uh, it may not be immediately apparent in the way that it is with someone who kind of asks a lot of questions and is sort of constantly, uh, you know, pressing for more information. But I think that that sense of curiosity is, I, I feel like one of the foundational elements of really being a good storyteller. And obviously with that comes the power to observe and really see and feel what's going on around you. And then I think the other thing I would say is empathy. I think that um, great storytellers have empathy and are able to put themselves in other people's shoes. And that is why they can create relationships on, on screen that resonate uh, and, and tell stories about people who may not have the same experience that they have had and yet do that in a way that feels authentic and compelling is because of that power to feel what other people feel. So those are things that I, I think uh, almost, you know, regardless of the medium that they choose or the form that they use, people that I think of as true storytellers have those, those characteristics. And um, I also think that the desire to keep learning about the world around them and, and sort of applying that into their work, pulling you know, using that curiosity to actually funnel things back into their work and sort of explore them in their work. So that is not just looking around, but then knowing how to take what you saw and actually put it into story form and unpack it in that form uh, in a way that resonates for, for the audience. So those are some thoughts about, you know, just the things that I've observed. I think also 
most storytellers are, they, they just genuinely like to tell stories, even when they're not working. They tend to be the kind of people who will want to give you some little snippet of what just happened to them when they were in the airport, or they, they have anecdotes to tell, you know, almost always. And, and there's something about that just desire to capture what happened to them and recount it that you can see expressing itself across their life, not just in, in their work specifically, but just in who they are. And you, you mentioned about the opportunities uh, emerging for storytellers and, you know, in terms of technology. Yeah. What, what do you, what, what do you see being the sort of, the opportunities or, or, or the challenges, I suppose, as well for storytellers coming through at this time? I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for storytellers right now that I, I believe is only going to grow. And that's partially because technology has allowed the tools of filmmaking and content making to be something that, that is accessible. You know, and we've seen that happening over the last many years that it just becomes easier to get your hands on the equipment that you need uh, to tell your story visually. And that in and of itself is a kind of, um, it's a, it, it opens the doors for people who might be coming to storytelling from, as we said, like a different, a different um, path than the traditional ones. One of the reasons that you used to go to film school was so that you could have access to filmmaking you know, process and, and equipment. Um, now, as we, we know that that is less relevant and there's more opportunity to make things in a variety of ways. And so I think that that just simple availability of the process and the equipment is a huge thing. And then I also feel like the time that we're in is one in which there is genuinely new openness to fresh voices. And that is something that um, over my 28 years as an African-American woman in the film business, I can definitely say has changed <laughs> for the better. Um, when I was starting out, it was very, very hard to get people in the positions of power and influence to care about stories that felt like they were coming from other types of people besides white men. And that is just something that even over the last very, you know, sort of recent time, I feel like I've really started to see change. And it is exciting to me that, that you know, there is gonna be someone like me coming up now and not necessarily facing the things that I faced in terms of the resistance that I felt to uh, to the types of stories that meant something to me that I wanted to tell, um, not all of which had to be literally about my own experience, but certainly were coming from my unique point of view as a person of color and as a woman. So I think there is opportunity because there's openness and there's genuine value being placed now on the idea of more voices coming from different places and from different experiences. And I think we see with the reception of a film like Parasite, which is a movie that I, I thought was wonderful. And I also was just so encouraged and excited by how it was received all around the world. 
And I think that that is um, kind of an indicator of what's coming and, and the wave of, of voices that are going to be coming that hopefully genuinely feel global and, um, and, and, and the notion that those things could be seen for the incredibly valuable and meaningful pieces of storytelling that they are and be platformed. I think streaming obviously has helped us in this respect as well, because there's just more opportunity uh, for projects to exist, you know, in, in a, in a way that isn't necessarily driven by theatrical release and all the pressures that come with that and the expectations that come with that, but that a wide variety of stories at different sort of sizes and scales could be told and have a place to live on the internet and have a way for the audience to, to access them. So I've been lucky in my career to really see these changes, you know, come, come to, to fruition. It's exciting. It's not to say that we don't have a long way to go in terms of ensuring that all of those voices get heard, but I really think there is more opportunity than ever to tell your story, whoever you are, uh, in a way that that you can engage an audience with, and that to me is is very very exciting. Oh, thank you for for sharing that. It's, it's, it's um, you know very uh, uplifting um, and inspiring to, to hear that's your experience and, and perspective. Are there any sort of specific things you, you think we can, we being uh, gatekeepers or, um, the film industry, mm-hmm. uh, storytellers, you know, any particular ways we think we can, we can sort of help accelerate that even further to get, to get more voices, more diverse storytellers, Absolutely. I think that there are uh, a couple of things that, that are really important to, for people in power in the entertainment business to, to keep in mind. And I would say that the first one is just that they need to hold the intention of diversifying their own teams. Um, because the hardest part is actually taking stories into buyers, you know, studios, um, wherever, and, and really feeling like as a person of color or as a member of any, um, minority group that you don't necessarily have someone across the table who can relate to what you're trying to do. And so what I've found is that it's very powerful for creatives to look across that table to the executive side and see people like them because it means that there's a kind of, um, there's a, there's a relaxation. There's a freedom that comes with that. There's a, a sense of being understood sort of that comes with that. And so I would say that to me, that is one of the most important missions that we can go on as an industry is to be serious about diversifying executives across the studios and streamers and networks, because that in and of itself is, um, is going to open the door for a tremendous amount of sort of receptivity to new and different types of stories and storytellers. And I think that's happening. And certainly there's a lot of um, conversation around that right now and an awareness that I haven't previously seen in my career. And that's encouraging 
But the truth is that people have to commit to that even when it's hard. And really what that means is that when you're hiring people, it has to be in the forefront of your mind. And it has to be something that isn't something that you think would be nice to have. It has to be something that you think you have to have. So that is the process that everyone, in my opinion, should be in, in order to really ensure that the next generation of storytellers, wherever they come from, whoever they are, whatever their background, whatever their gender, ethnicity, identity, that they feel that they can walk into uh, one of these companies and be well-received. And so, um, yeah, that's my hope, you know, for our, our, our industry, because I think it's essential. I think the audience is going to begin to demand that Hollywood do a better job of really um, representing all the breadth and diversity of the audience itself. And it's hard to do that without really making sure that uh, the companies that make this content are themselves diversified. You're listening to the Future of Film podcast with me, Alex Stoltz, and I'm in conversation with Kiri Hart. If you want to find out more about Kiri or any of the other guests across the four seasons of the show, you can do all of this at futureoffilm.live. Kiri, can you talk a little bit about your experience with, with other formats uh, or what your perspective mm-hmm. on other formats Um uh, you sure. mentioned Fader Immortal. I love other formats. I think that was one of the things that I enjoyed so much about my work at Lucasfilm was the cross-platform aspect of it. Um, you know, every every platform is different and every platform hosts a different kind of story effectively. And I think that one of the things that was really fun was being able to think about stories and have the flexibility that we had at Lucasfilm to say, oh, that wants to be a novel because that's the kind of story that you want to drill deep into the thinking of all the characters. And there's nothing that gives you the inside of someone's head like a novel or that wants to be a game because there's an interactive quality to it that feels like you can go on an adventure or that wants to be VR because that's a place that I want to go and physically stand in and and feel like I'm there. So. That to me was one of the real pleasures of having the opportunities that we had uh, across platforms in the story group was just to say, you can really make sure that the story that you are looking at has the opportunity to live in the place where it is sort of most comfortable and best expresses itself. And the process for each of those, you know, each of those development processes for those different platforms you know, they vary because there are different ways, obviously, that 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 things need to start, um, especially when they're driven by technology. There are, you know, sort of parts of the process early on that that are specific to the the format that you're that you're going for. And obviously, we worked as well on, um, you know, a theme park land. And that was a very different kind of experience in terms of talking about a physical place that we were going to build and what did it mean to stand inside of Star Wars and what would we want people to feel? So there are, I think probably early aspects of the development process for those different platforms that are different depending on what they are and kind of what their needs are. But what they all have in common is this 
pleasure of, of sort of finding the version of the story that sort of really fits and, and really getting yourself into the, you know, sort of the headspace of the audience and, and trying to feel what they would feel and experience what they would experience. It's just, uh, it's, it's fun. You really get the chance to, again, just let the story live where it, where it can sort of do its work the best. Um, and I just enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the different types of people who make these different things because, you know, they're, um, they have to concentrate on, on a wide variety of different things and, and focus on different things because of what they do that's unique. And so in the same way that filmmaking has such a specific set of parameters, all of these formats do, and the people that make them are unique, you know, and they, and they are fun to, to interact with and get to know. And theme parks, for example, was a, a, a process that I didn't know anything about before I came to Lucasfilm. And I learned so much about the incredible fusion of skill sets uh, that the Imagineers have in their ability to think about something as a physical space, but also think about it as an experience and also think about it as a story and think about how um, much longevity it needs to have. It needs to be something that will still feel fun and engaging in 50 years because that's the amount of investment, right, that, that, that goes into building something like that. So I found it um, really uh, sort of stimulating creatively to be moving in and out of all of those things because it really, it, it reminds you how many different types of creativity there are and how many different kinds of creatives there are. Uh, and they have such unique points of view. So, so yeah, that, that was uh, something that I enjoyed very much and that I still am really passionate about. I, ha I have to try and sort of keep my inner geek in check when I'm talking to you about Star Wars. <laughs> it's, 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 um, yeah. Uh, Why keep it in check? Well, you know, I'm trying to be professional. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, amazing. Can you, um, Kiri, give some advice to an emerging storyteller, maybe someone who hasn't had the experience of working on a, on a theme park, for mm. example, yet, but someone, you know, who's passionate about telling stories, where do they start? How should they strat think about strategizing their career? Well, I think that uh, there are, you know, very sort of traditional pathways, as we've discussed, to filmmaking, a lot of which involve something like film school, and certainly there's a lot of value in that path. And I think a lot of, we've seen a lot of really wonderful people, uh, you know, talented people emerge from that path. But there, I, I think it's important for people to feel like they can come from anywhere and genuinely hone the skills that they need. If, if they have a story inside of them to tell, if they have um, an experience that they want to give the audience. And so I guess the first thing I would say is just to be encouraged that wherever you come from and whatever your background is, that you can be a storyteller and that there can be um, a place for you to tell that story. And that is the work that we're all collectively doing as an industry and as a community right now is to really, as we said earlier, try to open up as many doors as we can and really make people feel like they can come in from anywhere and have the opportunity that they deserve to to say what they want to say. But I would, I would say 
you know, don't be intimidated. Don't be, um, don't be told no and keep pressing forward. If you know that there's something that you want to say and a, a way that you want to say it, I would also say, find your community, find your tribe. I think that one of the things that makes storytelling a pleasure is the sort of collaboration that you can achieve with other people and the sense of camaraderie. So the sooner you find the people that you want to sort of pull into your boat and you believe are, are the collaborators that will help you do your best work, the better. And so I would be actively seeking those people out that you feel like make you stronger, who are genuinely interested in telling you the truth about your work and who are encouraging, but hopefully also firm and really um, sort of help you stretch and grow and get better. And then I would just also say that there's no amount of work that is wasted. So if you are a writer, you need to be writing. And if you are a filmmaker, you need to be making short films. And even if you're making them on your iPhone, it doesn't matter. The thing is to make stuff and to do it and then see how you did and then do it again. And so the more iteration, the more opportunity you give yourself to learn and to make things, you know, the better off you're going to be. I mean, even in the sort of most sophisticated and expensive filmmaking processes, you know, there's a lot of iteration and there's no shame in that. In fact, that's actually how you get better. And even the best people in the world who have had a tremendous amount of success, you know, understand the power of iterating on something and, and just keep chipping away at it, trying things until you get it right. So don't feel like you have to start from something that's fully formed or have all the answers, but engage in the process and as I said, find the people who can surround you in that process and, uh, and make you stronger. So, Kiri, this is the future of film, Rebels of Storytelling. So I, I'm contractually obliged to ask you the question, Kiri, what is the future of film? I believe the future of film is diverse. And that is something that we've talked about a lot today. And I feel like that that expresses itself both in the types of stories that get told and the storytellers themselves. And I think that that is, you know, not only what it can and should be, it, it's, it's just what it has to be. I think that, that the audience is hungry to hear from voices they haven't heard from before. And so we can talk about development of technology and we've talked about that. We can talk about process, talk about all the things but ultimately, all of that needs to be in service to uh, a wide variety of voices. And I really believe that it will be. And I'm excited to help facilitate that. That's one of the reasons that I get up every morning is to try to genuinely help the emerging generation of storytellers uh, say what they have to say. And I think we are going to try to leverage all the resources of, of our industry to do that. And so I, I would just say that, you know, what I hope is that we can look back on this interview in 20 years and see that many, many people have come to light over that time across all of our storytelling platforms who have taken us places that feel new and told us things that we didn't know and allowed us to empathize with their own experience and the things that they care about. I think that's the future of film. 
Amen to that. That was Kiri Hart recorded earlier in 2020. And if you want to find out more about Kiri or any of the other guests on the podcast, you can do all of that at futureoffilm.live. That's also where you can download the Future of Film report and sign up for our newsletter. And of course, get your tickets for the Future of Film Summit 2020. It's the 18th to the 20th of November. I hope to see you there for what's going to be an awesome three-day experience. And if not before, back here on the podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>